coming together from across the United States. The real issues you don't hear about elsewhere. Focusing on what matters to you and your neighbors. Welcome to Resist Bot Live. Hey, y'all. It is Sunday, March 6, 2022. I'm your moderator, Melanie Dion, and this is Resist Bot Live. Welcome. We are here every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern, and we are streaming on YouTube. If it sounds like this is a lot shorter now, it's because it is. We are only streaming on YouTube. We are going to be sharing the link so that you can subscribe to us and get a notification every week when we're about to broadcast. Additionally, we have our podcast that goes up every Monday, which is an audio rebroadcast of Resist Spot Live. You can go to resistspot.live, find your favorite podcast platform, and subscribe to us there. If you're a podcaster or if you're listening to us while you tweet and you want to join the conversation, be sure to use the hashtag LiveBotters to stay in the conversation with us. So this past week, Texas held its primary on March 1st, and to call it a debacle would be polite. There were people who were turned away. There were thousands of mail-in ballots that are currently in jeopardy. We're here to talk about what went wrong, who's impacted the most, and what is being done about it. And I am going to bring up the rest of the panel, our regulars this week. First, we're going to bring up Athena Foulet. Hello, Mel. How's it going? Hi. Great. Long time no see. Indeed. Happy to be here today on a beautiful sunny day in New Orleans. Absolutely. Absolutely. We are going to talk about, well, my neighbor, Texas, one of our favorite places, among other places, because Texas isn't the the only place and get to talk more about our function here. We've had little tidbits, but I think today would be good to just remind people of why we're here. It's not just to whisper in your ears and podcasts, but also like there's a big, broader function that can help things like what happened on Tuesday not happen, or or at least give voters the tools of what to do next when they find themselves purged or whatever. Yep, there are a lot of great resources out there. So I look forward to having a conversation with everybody about what we can do to stay, make sure that our voter registration is on point and that we're ready and geared up to the next election cycles. I'll be monitoring the chat. So as Mel pointed out, please drop any questions, concerns, insights that you have, and we'll get to them. Thank you. And we have Christine Lou. Hello, Christine. Hi. Thank you for forgiving my game show announcer voice every week is something different. Welcome. Texas isn't alone. So we're going to be digging into who else, what else. Quite a few states. Uh, we've got Georgia, as usual, uh, doing their thing with the voter suppression. Arizona, Michigan, Pennsylvania as well. These are states that were very close in the election and ones that are on the minds of Republicans who don't want that to be the case in the you know, midterms and, and next general. So it's interesting what they're, they're doing there as well, in addition to Texas. Absolutely. And just to talk a little bit about Texas, one of the things that grabbed me was actually Rochelle Carey. She mentioned that she was turned away. She was not able to vote in Houston as somebody who's taken her civic responsibility seriously her entire life. I am going to read her tweet directly. She says, today I was turned away 
from a polling booth in my hometown of Houston. I've voted in every major election since the age of 18 years old, as it is my right as an American. I take this so seriously that I've applied for absentee ballots when out of the country. Thread. And one thing she goes on to say, today I did not have the opportunity to vote in, in a crucial primary in my state. I was told that my registration was canceled. I felt enraged. I could feel my power slipping away. I was not allowed to vote today and I'm mad as hell. And then she goes on to, with the frustrations, of course, of someone who was denied one of our most basic rights, as well as just her own personal experience and, and information that she's gleaned as someone in her position. She wasn't the only one. And in addition to that, there are something, I think 12,000, I think it was something like 12,000 Texans that were, that whose votes are in jeopardy in this very important primary. I mean, these are the midterms and these are precarious midterms. I'd like to talk a little bit about one of the, how incompetence plays into that. Because in Texas, one of their, one of the shortfalls was just flat out insufficient staffing. The places that are insufficiently staffed are typically, they typically have something in common. More often than not, it's intentional. There's, we're dealing with people of color, poor people. We see it time and again where there are voices that are just silent. Texas is not the only place doing that. Christine, can you talk a little bit about the states that are vulnerable to purges and kind of what you found, the common thread or, or your thoughts around that? Yeah, like I mentioned a little earlier, but to go a bit deeper into it, some of them, these states, Georgia, Arizona, Michigan, uh, and Pennsylvania, some of these are the closest states that were very close in the elections in last year, in the 2020 elections. And so in the case of Georgia and Arizona, you had the first time in two decades where these states went to a Democratic presidential candidate. And so it shouldn't come as a surprise that subsequently, right, all last year and, and it continues, you see the rolling back of things such as absentee ballots. Uh, you see the increase in emphasis on voter ID. You see the reduction of the ability to vote in different polling places, either the reduction of polling locations or in the case of drop-off boxes even, and of course, the purging of voter rolls. And so these are things that are these states have in common. And it's almost like, <laughs> I say this because we're talking around, it's like, that's interesting. It's almost like it's coordinated in a way, right? And it's like, hmm. So what I find amusing is not the word, but it's more like things that make you go, hmm, is the commonality of the tactics that all of these uh, states used to the point where it does feels coordinated to me. So if it walks like a duck, you know? <laughs> I think the thing about being, whether it's a person of color, or I mean, we're all women of color. So when we see these things, it does hold sometimes a sense of amusement, not in the traditional entertaining way, but more in that, of course, because we're used to having to circumvent oppression, nonsense. That's just, it's, it's baked in the cake. And one of the things I picked up is when it comes down to the matter of partisanship, I think I'm like most people. I don't care who does what. I want the job done. That being said, that is a big idealistic. It doesn't matter who. Get the job done. When we start looking at these re restrictive voting bills, though, and who is behind them, overwhelmingly, these are overwhelmingly GOP-backed bills. That's the first thing. The second thing when we deal with these restrictive bills is that the states where there's a Democrat, when it, where that's more or less controlled by Democrats, those are the ones where these bills kind of fizzle out. You know, they just 
they try it and, and, and it fades out. But when we're dealing with states that are controlled by the GOP, those are the restrictive bills that get traction. So even though it's not a matter of being partisan, we still have eyeballs and we still, ha- we still have to use our common sense. So you have to acknowledge what the driving force is behind suppression. Well, even staying with the not being partisan thing, as Americans, you would think, as an American, I would love for people who are able to vote to be able to vote. Like, let's just start there, right? And so if we don't want to be partisan about it, since when was being able to exercise your right to vote a partisan thing? Hence why it's interesting that the pattern is not by accident. And sometimes we also have to say the quiet thing about it. And it's really interesting for me because in recent years, I have been become more active in the onboarding of Asian American voters. That's definitely the fastest growing voter block. And one, if we look at the past couple of years, there is an awakening. This is our first election, major election since the general for us to show up and say, you know what, anti-Asian sentiment, tired of it. What we're going to do is start paying more attention. And oh, by the way, this is interesting. In all these states where there are swing districts, we can represent, even though in terms of the number of us, it's small, we actually represent margin of victory or loss, depending on which party you're looking at in these districts. So as a block, as a voting block, we are paying more attention. And that's very encouraging to see. And it's not by accident that we are also being lumped into the consequences of these voter suppression efforts. That's one thing I wanted to mention. And we, you and I have talked before too about how important intersectionality is here and how, because you and I are, are, are part of two different ethnic groups that did at one point, like we've talked about how back in the Panthers, there were attempts at community and, and, and realizing that our communities are stronger together than they are, than they are apart. And also there's an investment in, in people who enjoy the status quo to make sure that unity like that doesn't happen. So how do we shift the conversation in terms of recognizing that intersectionality with, you know, like AAPI cultures, with African-American culture, with African immigrant, like how do we bring these, how do we open the conversation where these two diasporas are able to effectively unify, discuss, address the oppression that we're dealing with, especially when we have a common issue with voter suppression. I feel like I said that really convoluted, but I think you know what I mean. No, I I totally get what you mean. And you know what, Athena, I would love to hear your take on this. But for me, I was paying so close attention to Georgia and AAPI voters in Georgia, 84% voter gain right? That's not by accident. And let's go back to who started the outreach early on, Stacey Abrams. And so what really gives me, you know, goosebumps is knowing what's possible. If you look at the example of Georgia, you had Asian American groups side by side with Black organizations who have been doing this work for a while. And to acknowledge that those who have been fighting the fight embrace the new group of folks who are kind of a little bit new to this, right? And and to see if we can replicate that in different states, again, not being partisan, just wanting to help Asian Americans who traditionally have not turned out in, in high numbers continue to be motivated to vote for whoever 
they will choose to vote for it. Just be engaged. And so I'm very encouraged by that. Athena, to you. <laughs> I agree 100%. More and more feeling empowered to use their vote. I think it's something that we've granted. But given these margins are so slim and polling collected for by election officials and all of that has become so specific. I think just recently in Virginia, there was an election that came down to one single vote, and then they had to have ballots to make sure, like, it came down to one vote. Basically, the, the future of the General Assembly in that state came down to one vote. So this idea that I think this is the rock-to-vote generation, we have, I think there was a big push in the 90s to get more youth involved in that. These youth have grown up since then, but I still feel that there is an element of elitism to this concept of voting in this country. This idea that you have to take off work to vote is problematic in and of itself. I think there should be a national holiday for voting if it's something that important. And things like this exist already within American societies. In Puerto Rico, they have a, the day off to vote and they actually don't sell alcohol anywhere on the island on election day. That's how important voting is valued there. And I don't, this, that's probably an episode in and of itself, this idea of like how the vote is sacred and how people have struggled throughout centuries to ensure that the marginalized and oppressed still get that chance to voice their beliefs via the voting systems. But I think that's a great place to start and a roundabout way to get there. But taking a look at like, why are we trying to suppress the vote? I am illegal voting, but no, there are no substantive facts to back that up. This boogeyman that people trot out to say, well, all these illegals are voting. There is literally no evidence of that. And so clinging to that and clinging to this metric of like, or this idea like we need to somehow restrict the vote or ban it is, if you dig deep enough, I think we're going to see it's just another attempt to maintain status quo, to, to suppress the voices of those that are not in power, and to just continue to marginalize people as much as possible. So yes, I think accessibility is probably a very great place to start. Vote by mail. I think it was a genius move of the previous administration to absolutely destroy our confidence in the USPS system, but US Postal Service is a fantastic resource for us. Plug for some petitions that are in progress right now to to pass additional funding for the USPS because they are critical to this piece if we are going to be doing mail ballots moving forward. I agree. I think the emphasis should be uh, states. I think everybody should reach out to their secretary of states and election officials at the local level to just, again, make sure that it's as accessible as possible for people who either can't make it to the polling stations. It's accessible for early voting. I think early voting has been a game changer in a lot of districts around the country, too which is another reason that we're trying to sort of shut that down. But yeah, I think anything we can do to simplify the process while continuing to protect the integrity, and it's important to say continuing to protect that, because again, this is a solid system in place, I think will be important. Thank you, Athena. So I'd like to talk a bit about who's answering the call, who's coming up with solutions, because we know that the world is on fire and everything is terrible. There are issues that are very serious that are, are huge that won't be rectified immediately. But there are things in place and we can talk right now about just simply checking for, but I think we have a question. Yes. One of our listeners, Scott, is asked if any of these laws being proposed are happening in a state that's not strategic for Republican victory. It's a great question. The answer is no. I mean, walk like a duck, but it's a duck. So that's a very good point. Thanks, Scott. This idea that, again, you got to question the people behind it. Why are you trying to shut down the vote? What exactly are you trying to protect here? And then that 
follow that trail and I think you'll be pleasantly disappointed or verified and affirmed. One of the things, well, two things. When we, when you talk about the mysterious illegal voter, it's every week, every time we have one of these conversations, there will be a conversation, there will be a point where we realize that this is the only function for this part of the argument is to shut down actually discussing it and addressing it. And if you say, oh, all these illegal voters are voting, then you don't get to discuss all the fundamental issues for these restrictive voting practices because they're trying to, they're, they're selling the boogeyman. Where at, and, and it keeps the motive hidden in plain sight, aka every one of these states would be strategic to a Republican victory. Every single one of them. None of this is not New York. This is not California. We're talking Wisconsin. We're talking Georgia. We're talking Texas. We're talking, I believe, Florida. Every single one of them. Every single state. So now, who's answering the call? Who is doing the work of just, let's just say, helping to check voter registration? I think I know one of the answers. But Athena, could you come in and talk to us a little bit about what that's looking like, who's actually on the side of people who want to vote. Sure, I'm happy to do that. I think we can start sort of the macro level. The USA.gov website has a confirmed voter registration option that is widely available. I would not to diss the people who've created that, but you know it could be a little bit cumbersome to do that. But at least you're functioning through the federal government and those various channels, if if that's important to you. Another group that's doing that is Vote.org. Our dear friends at Vote.org have a Am I Registered to Vote website, and we can drop the links into the chat as well in a little bit. But I I did a plug earlier for the Rock to Vote team. Rock to Vote in many ways has been at the forefront of a lot of these discussions. So having them really targeting the younger voters and and college-age students to make sure that they're registered to vote regardless of where they might be I think it's critical to continued success with voter turnout for that demographic. And last but not least, what I'd like to speak most about is the resist bot. So it's this idea, we're coming up on our anniversary this week on March 8th, International Women's Day. So yay, resist bot. And it's this idea that, yes, it's important for us to maintain these lines of communication open with our elected officials, and that's that's in our DNA. That's what we do, that's why we're created, and that's what we wanted to accomplish. But understanding that how mission critical it is to continue to support opportunities for people to stay engaged with civic engagement, this idea that voting is going to be key to that. And we have some reports and some excellent analysis on how ResistBot, by allowing people to check their voter registration status, by allowing people to directly connect with their board of elections and their different local districts has really helped increase voter turnout from the population of people participating in the resist bot larger family. So check us out for sure. You're already on this podcast, so chances are you know us very well. But it's just a good time to plug our overall usage guide for all things that the bot does. So at the very least, go ahead and text CHECK to 50409, and that'll give you an update in terms of your voter status and if you're continue, if you're staying on the, the rolls. And if you do that, there's actually a cute little social media shareable that indicates that you've, you're have you registered to vote and that your voter status is current in your state. So check that out loudly so that you can get the conversations going. You don't want to October to check to find out that your voter registration has expired or somehow been purged. So I would encourage all of you to do that now if you can. And by setting check into the resist bot, we'll check the polls, excuse me, we'll check the rolls monthly to make sure that you're staying up to date and, and current on that on your behalf. So 
definitely text check to us. But I'll also do a plug for our general keyword guide because we've really evolved in the last few years in terms of what we're doing. Yes, you can message Congress, you can message the Democratic National Committee, federal government, the president, the house, your local governor. But one of the first things that we also list on that site is the keyword CEO. By texting CEO to the bot, you'll actually be able to contact your election officials. That would be a good opportunity to check in and let them know that you are closely watching the work that uh, they're doing to ensure that voting rights are maintained in all people and citizens in your state. Other things I would refer you to is, in addition to check, is early. If you message us with the word early, you can find out where and when you can vote early for your elections. For those of our younger voters, if you're under the age of 18, text us the word 18 and we'll uh, get you a reminder to register to vote once you're eligible. There's been so much back and forth. I know there's a lot of confusion. Do you, what are your voter ID requirements? Do you need to bring an ID with you? What would be acceptable forms of all of that? Just text ID to uh, us at Resistbot at 50409 and we can help get glean that information for you from your specific election officials. Mail, if you'd like to vote by mail, some instructions by texting us mail, M-A-I-L, you'll be able to get vote by mail instructions if that's going to be an option for you in the upcoming election. Polls was very popular around voting season, P-O-L-L-S. We'll find out where you can drop off your ballots as well as local polling places for you and your districts. If anything should happen while you're trying to access any of this information, or if you'd like to report an election problem, you can go ahead and text PROTECT to the bot, and we can capture that complaint and send it to an election protection coalition of partners who are who are trying to, again, ensure that vote remains intact. That's all I got. Yep. Thanks, Athena. It was one of the, I, I remember on Tuesday, Jason, our, our executive director here at ResistBot, when he started seeing the, the issues, it was like, yeah, we have this. <laughs> we have this here for you. And it's an amazing tool. Whenever I talk about resist spot when I'm when I'm talking to people that more often than not is the first thing that that comes up. Yeah, I used it to check my voter registration. That comes up as much as the petition to me. I think we have a comment. Alan in Florida is mentioning how it's just getting crazier and crazier in terms of redistricting and restrictions to voters. So they're kind of attacking rights in Florida on both fronts. So we hear you, Alan. You know, all those resources I hope that we drop, check out the ResistBot guide and tell your friends, get everybody registered to vote, get everybody making sure that they're on the rolls properly. And again, share your thoughts with your elected officials to say how this is ridiculous. What exactly are they trying to suppress here? It's galling. I want to make sure that we talk about our petition that we're highlighting this week. The petition is Pass the Freedom to Vote, John R. Lewis Act. Now, we're still, this is still in limbo. Voting rights is still in limbo. It right now has 380 signers. Our goal right now is 500. And it was started on January 17th by Women for Change. It's very brief. It says, I call on you to work with Senate Majority Leader Schumer and voting rights advocates to modify the filibuster in order to pass the Freedom to Vote John R. Lewis Act. The filibuster has been modified more than 160 times before. We need this legislation passed to protect our democracy and the fundamental right to vote for every eligible voter. Should we allow our democracy to fail simply to preserve the filibuster? No, just the opposite. We must modify the filibuster to preserve our democracy. One of the things that galls me about this is how politicians, elected officials, are dragging their feet about 
elections. I just cannot be, none of us, I don't think, can be openly, this openly ambivalent about something so crucial to our jobs. Like we would not have jobs. So there's, this is a good time to remind your elected officials, if you are a voter, you should be reminding your elected officials who they actually work for. And this petition is very succinct and in and, and a great way to, to do that. One of the other things, in addition to all the great things that Athena mentioned that have been in place and are active and available to you right now is we talk a lot about resist bot. I don't think we talk about us and why we're here. I mean, we say it and it seems rather obvious, but our focus is looking at these things, looking at petitions like the one we have. Sorry, let me um, make sure I give you the information on that petition because I read it and I didn't give you anything on it. The call sign for that, you can text P is in Paul, H is in Harry, N is in Nancy, R is in Robert. O is an olive, X is in xylophone, to 50409, so that you can sign that open letter and have it sent to your representative. In addition to what we're doing here, we're in amplification work. When we have these petitions, it's not just, it's when we have so many things going on in the news. We could look at like last week, there was the attack on Ukraine, anti-trans directive, something that I'm forgetting right now. So when we have so many news stories going on, that doesn't mean those are the only things happening, not just in the world, but in this country. And there are other things that need attention and, and probably an aid to deeper understanding. And so one of the things that we do here, we have, we usually have guests every week who are, who are versed in those causes, organizers, activists who know what they're talking about, who know what the work looks like, who have rolled their sleeves up and are making sure that we get the things we need. I will be the first person to tell you, I'm not an activist. I'm just somebody who has a very big mouth. And I use that mouth to say, shut up and listen to them. And so that's that and to a certain extent that is the function of of why we're here to talk about those things that we don't know but that are still important that affect us that affect our neighbors so that we can have a greater understanding not even just in the country that we live in but sometimes just in our neighborhood because we're we're addressing things that that are happening and affecting people right next door like when we talked about our first episode was demolished disabled poverty you're not going to find a, a block in America where there's not someone who needs reform in how disability is handled, you know? So this is what we're doing. And this is just the start. One of the things that there's also an option to do on, on ResistBot, just like we had our, the, the petition that I just read, Women for Change, that means they also have a profile. So if there are other petitions that Women for Change have started, you can look at those as well. You can also follow them in the event that their interests align with yours. And when they create other open letters that you may want to sign, you'll get a notification. So this is so that not only you know about this one issue, but it leads to other issues. Because all of these things, when we start, the more we talk about these varying issues, the more we, we, we see that they're all connected because the undercurrent is fighting against oppression, moving toward equality. And so this is the tool that we have to move forward in that. One of the other things that we're going to be doing at ResistBot, because I'm just one person, Athena's just one person, you know, Christine, and we have our 
best intentions and we have our ideas of where we want to point the focus, but the work is bigger than that. And so we want to make sure that we're hearing from you. So we'll be hosting Twitter spaces to not only keep you up to date with new functions, but we also want to hear from you about what isn't working. If there's something that maybe presents an accessibility issue, we want to know that. If there's something that is not accessible, maybe not, maybe not a disability accessibility issue, but a financial accessibility issue. We want to know what we can do to meet you where you are. So a couple of the things that we're going to be doing, of course, you can follow us on Twitter and our DMs are open, but you can also, we're also creating a Telegram channel, not only for organizers who want to interact, but also for other people who want to learn more about organizing, because we want to build a community that is collaborative and intersectional. The final thing that we're going to be building that I am actually building with my little hands and the helps of my, my friends is resource hubs that are going to for- focus on specific communities because sometimes we know the needs that we have, but we don't know how to access them. And there's usually, because it's usually buried under a mountain of stuff. Help is not always easy to find. So one of the things that we're going to be doing is making sure that you know where to get the help. So these are things that you can be looking forward to coming down the line over the next few months. Some of them will be implemented really quickly. Some of them will be be a little more slow to, to roll out, but these are things that are coming because this is a community. We The bot function is very important, but we have not lost sight of the fact that this is driven by people and we want to know what people need. I want to, I would love if, if anybody else had any comments before I wrap it up. Yeah, I do. You know, as, as you're talking, I am also looking forward to learning about best practices for someone such as myself, who is privileged to sit in a state that is blue, California, and as well as the district that will, you know, the, the most challenging thing we face is which Democrat we want to elect. You know what I mean? I, I do feel that more can be done for those of us who want to be in action and be helpful to states and districts that do need the extra help. And sometimes it's always not, it's not always clear how. So, you know, when you're feeling this motivation, how do those of us in these comfortable, quote unquote, blue states, right? How do we actually make an impact? Where do our donor dollars go? Does phone banking actually work? When I feel inspired to write postcards and mail it into different states, is that working? I actually would love to know (laughs) what, you know, to, to learn what tactics actually are being effective. And maybe Athena, maybe this is a great way to pass to you as someone who is actually an election official to to inform those of us who have this energy to be engaged and want to make sure that uh, we're not preaching to the choir in our own districts, that our energy and our time and our resources and efforts can be amplified where it really is going to count. So I would love to, I look forward to to learning more along along those lines with everyone here. Yes, I think in many ways, you've just kind of encapsulated what the struggle with, not the struggle with the bot is, but one of our challenges is this idea that we have fantastic users across the country. Some of them might tend to be on coasts because of how the demographics of everything is broken down in terms of access to everything and, and politics leaning, et cetera. That said, I think the State of the Union this past week has given us evidence that even with these really blue states, we still have administrations that seem to not be listening to calls for 
defunding the police and for investing in communities. So I think Deborah actually, Cleaver might have mentioned it earlier on, the best thing that folks in states that are going to stay blue and districts that we know are going to continue to to support progressive ideas. One, keep pushing further, progressive as possible, and that tide might need to be what lifts the proverbial other boats in the country, but support those doing the work in the states that do need that. So whether that's on an individual level, finding out what you can, which monetarily you can support, or two, promote and share those resources with your communities and networks, because that goes a long way. Just again, amplifying, right, to what Mel was saying, we're here to amplify messages. We're here to amplify the people doing the work. We're facilitators. We're, we're conveners. That's what ResistBot can do. It can bring a lot of great ideas and folks doing this work together. But by amplifying it, that's the best role, I think, that we can serve in, in these larger communities. I have a lot to say about like what people can do individually. As you mentioned, I'm officially an election voter, an election official for the District of Columbia. If you are remotely interested in doing that, they need people at the polls. I guess we learned earlier how there are some states that are not hiring poll workers while they're desperately needed. But reach out to your state election officials and just say, I'm interested in doing it. You get paid to do this work. It's not volunteer. It's a very interesting look at the process of voting. And you can see how how the process works and understand it a little bit better to help, again, educate and inform other people just how thorough that process actually is. And that could also go a long way. And it's protest season. Protest season is on the rise. It's about that time again. So plug into the people doing activities, like and share their actions, support them when you can in terms of letting them know that you're behind them. That will go a long way to keep the wind and the sails of people who are out in the streets actively trying to do what they're doing. I love that you just mentioned protests, Athena, because as we're talking, I'm doom scrolling on a daily basis and really... I mean, especially what's happening in Ukraine, really cognizant to the fact that protesting in Russia right now, which a lot of great people are doing, can land you in jail for 15 years or worse. And so for those of us who need not be reminded of, again, regardless of where you stand in whatever issues, the fact that we have the privilege to be able to voice and protest without fear of retaliation by our own government is something that is really sitting with me the last couple of weeks. So thank you for bringing that up. And even that isn't necessarily guaranteed, depending on where you are in the country. Like what's going down in Portland is awful. Again, the, these these laws that are in the books to be okay to run down protesters, like that's a whole other episode. But yes, I think in principle, we do protect the the right to free speech and and protest is in our DNA. So So use it. Yes. That was my point. Let's use it. (laughs) Use it. Get out there, folks. And again, that's one of the functions because we think about how often we don't hear about the injustices. We we can look at somewhere like Russia or somewhere else and it's like, oh, what are they doing to these protesters? But even in America, unless you're really tapped in, you're at best going to get a very one-sided view of what protest is like in America. And it doesn't cover things such as the, the countless activists in Ferguson who have, you know, over the years since 2014, mysteriously died, or people who are still either in jail or fighting charges from protesting. So we don't, unless you're really tapped in, you don't realize that stuff is not, is at the door here. And you need to be serious or we need to be serious about what that means 
for the future of our own safety. Like we can just get down if for people who don't necessarily even look at at it on a on a macro level, just the micro level of your own personal safety, where you are just where we are all vulnerable. I just think that's something that we have to and and, and it's our function to make sure that those things are, are seen and heard. And so that people know this is what our country is. And I don't, I'm hesitant to say what it has become because for minorities, for people of color, that are undercurrent has always been there. For queer people, that undercurrent has always been there. So we have to take seriously what that means for us. So before we go, do you guys have any parting words? And we can start with Christine. No, you know, I'm just thankful that we get to get together on a weekly basis and share and discuss. And I learn as I listen to both of you. And so I guess my parting thoughts is that, and Mel, that was a really great point. I feel the privilege of being an American with my international lens, right? Um, Of being able to technically have the right to protest or to voice my opinions, but I am not naive to the fact that in practice is treated differently with different groups. But if there is optimism, which which there is, that there's enough of us and then there is a system in place for us to constantly test and challenge and call out. And we and then so long as we have the freedom to be able to do that, I think it it's still something that is worth exercising. And I'm just grateful to be part of this conversation today. Thanks. Thanks so much, Christine. Athena? I don't know how to follow what Christine said. (laughs) Exactly right. I think we have, we are coming from a place of of access and and a platform of of privilege. So I would just tell everybody to use it. I don't like to use the word apathy because I feel that this, that this credits some literal, like literal systems in place that continue to marginalize and oppress others. So I wouldn't call it an apathy, but I think it is a struggle. It needs to be voting in particular or engagement in this democracy continues to be a struggle and needs to be a struggle until we are at a place where all voices are equally heard and respected and appreciated. I think tools like ResistBot, as I know I might be biased, but there are great people doing this work and we need to leverage all of these resources and opportunities to the greatest amount possible to ensure that, again, we're moving, we're bending that arc, if you so to speak, but we're moving towards the right direction. So plug, go ahead and throw us a few coins if you like what you're hearing and want to continue to make sure that those channels to your elected officials remain open and that we can continue to get your voices heard and get people registered to vote and staying on the rules in this coming cycle. Thanks so much, Athena. That's our show this week. I want to thank everybody for joining us. Before we leave, we have one very important comment that I want to make sure that we get in from Ellen in terms of when we are trying to contact officials. Ellen said, if you send postcards, please let the receiving county DEC know duplication of efforts is frustrating. And those are things that those are things that we need to know. This is a learning process. This is a dynamic process. It's not static. So we are going to make sure that You have everything that you need to participate in this democracy and exercising your right. So again, that's our show. If you would like to volunteer or donate, you can go to resist.bot. To donate, you can go to resist.bot slash donate. And we've got all kinds of 
goodies for monthly donors. So I highly recommend that you do that. And for our monthly donors, we have some new ones this week. We have Lindsay from Bloomfield Hills, Michigan. Andrew from Campbell, California, who's, who left the comment, Judge Katanji Jackson Brown to the Supreme Court or, and a free Marvin Guy. We also have Monica from Castro Valley, California, who focuses abortion rights. Brianna from v- Verona, Wisconsin. And R- Richard from Wilton Manors, Florida, whose focus is the don't say gay, the hateful don't say gay bill in Florida. Maria from Sunnyvale, California, whose interest, like a lot of us, is on the Ukraine. And Julie from Seattle, Washington. Thank you all of you for for being monthly donors and keeping this work going. This does not happen without you. And I cannot stress that enough. So I want to thank you for joining us, for supporting, and for helping us amplify this work. The podcast will be up tomorrow. So if you'd like to listen to a rebroadcast, you can go again to resistbot.live and subscribe to us. And until then, we'll see you next Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Thanks. Take care. Resistbot Live originally airs as a live stream every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern on Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook and is brought to you by the same folks behind the chatbot. If you haven't used ResistBot before, it's simple. iPhone users, go to resist.bot on the web and tap the iMessage button. Non-iPhone users, open your text messaging app and compose a new text message. For the phone number, type 50409. In the message field, type resist or any of the keywords you heard on the show. You can also direct message ResistBot on Twitter or the Telegram app. For a printable keyword guide and more resources, visit our website at resist.bot. Our website has a complete guide to creating robust public policy or voter turnout campaigns, and we're here to support your activism. Email support at resist.bot if you need help getting started. ResistBot is a non-profit social welfare organization built by volunteers and supported by your donations. You can donate on our website or email volunteer at resist.bot if you want to join our team. ResistBot Live is moderated by Melanie Dion. Our regular panel includes Athena Foulet, Christine Liu, Susan Stutz, and Dr. Joseph Kuhill. Thank you for listening.